Do you feel like you missed out on quality PT education during the pandemic? Feeling unprepared to enter the workforce? Looking to finally learn what you've been missing and have the graduation that you deserve after years of hard work? Join us at the SSHC Live 2021 conference in Orlando, Florida, June 5th and 6th to make 2021 your big comeback. Tickets are massively discounted for students like you. And if you are interested in attending the graduation only on Sunday night, you are able to come for free. So click the link in the description to save your spot today. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physio Memes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. Welcome to Gratitude. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two new grad DPTs helping you get through PT school on your first try debt-free. Join us as we guide you through the insanity of PT school. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. And we are really excited for our guest today. And we have Dan on the podcast. So welcome and thank you for coming on. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. And for the students who are listening and don't know you, Dan, you want to tell a little bit about what got you into PT in the first place? Yeah, definitely. So like most of you, I'm assuming, you probably like exercise or health and fitness, and you probably like helping people and giving back to other people. And that might have led you into the physical therapy route. And all of those are common things for me as well. But kind of going off of that, I like to look ahead. And I looked at kind of where America was at the time. So for me, about four or five years ago. And for myself and where I saw our country, I didn't see a whole lot of emphasis being put on preventative healthcare and preventative alternative uh, treatment approaches. And physical therapy stuck out to me as the future of healthcare, combining what we know works from the medical field with what we know works from alternative and holistic practices such as exercise, modalities, and that sort of thing. And I really wanted to be a part of what the future would hold. And again, physical therapy, preventing alternative means to treating pain, to dealing with different issues, preventing surgeries entirely. Uh, to me, that was very exciting stuff and very cool. And I didn't know a whole lot about it as a senior in high school, but I knew it was something I wanted to be a part of. And I would kind of figure it out along the way. Ooh, I love that. And where are you now? Are you a student? What year are you? What does your life look like today? Right. So I am a fifth year uh, out of a six-year program DPT student. So I've got two semesters of classes left and some clinicals at Lebanon Valley College. Uh, it's small PT school located kind of near Hershey, PA. Uh, and I do a lot on campus too. Uh, in my undergrad years, I was a resident assistant and I'm a tour guide. I do tutoring and lead study sessions for a variety of different 
uh, courses, human movement, physiology, that sort of thing. That's all well and good, um, but what really balances me out and keeps me going with physical therapy isn't just you know giving the campus tours and that sort of thing, but I run a business as well. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Braun Body, Braun with a W, and we help people with their exercise and fitness and provide different uh, alternative health solutions to them. We kind of make recommendations like, hey, you know, have you considered looking into this or that, that sort of thing. And um, that's kind of been fun for me to take what we learn in physical therapy school and apply it. So we learn about different exercise progressions. We learn about exercise physiology. Well, it's great to learn it, but it's another thing to go out there and actually do it. And I've loved the fact that I've been able to balance school with applying the knowledge I learn and helping other people in the process. Yeah, that's really awesome. And to, you know, to say that you do have your own business as a student, and I kind of want to backtrack because I know there's, there are programs. I know Sarah's is a three plus three. So um, how was that process at least for admissions of like getting into PT school. And then once you made that transition from, you know, you're no longer an undergrad to a uh, graduate PT student, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, for me, the admissions process was fairly simple. I took my SATs, I did the voluntary essay, filled out the application form. Um, They were common apps, so it was pretty straightforward for the most part. And when you apply to our program, because it's direct admit, you get accepted into the college and the PT program. So once you're accepted, you are a PT major from day one. And we do a three-year Bachelor of Exercise Science and a three-year DPT uh, tract. So again, you're out in six years. Uh, There's actually one girl in our class that is doing it in five Um, so if you want a five-year DPT, you can look into that. I'm not entirely sure how that works, but it can be done. Uh, for me, as far as the adjustment from undergrad to grad school, because the bachelor's is accelerated, it's a pretty easy adjustment. You're used to 17, 18 credit semesters from your second or third semester in undergrad. And a lot of other people I talk with, they're taking 14, 15 credit semesters for four years or three and a half years instead of going right in from day one and just getting after it. So they force you to adapt to the workload from the start. They hit you with, you know, those gen ed weed out classes and higher workloads. But then by the time you get to grad school, pretty well adjusted to the demands of, you know, a lot of different courses, a lot of different things, high workload, that sort of thing. So the transition was pretty easy for the most part. If anything, it was easier in grad school because you don't have those gen eds. You have grad school specific courses. So instead of learning about, you know, writing and you know, public policies, and not to say those aren't interesting, but comparing that to anatomy and exercise and biomechanics is a night and day difference for me anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And it depends, like, on the three plus three program, they all have a slightly different process. So for you, you're saying you applied 
as a senior in high school to get into the undergrad program, which is a, like, then you just continue onto your DPT. It's not like you're applying for the undergrad. And then after two years, you're applying for the PT, po- PT portion of it. Right. You apply once at the end of high school and then you're set from there. Um, we have had some people transfer in and they've had to take the different um, grad exams and fill up separate applications and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, for the most part, once you're in from uh, senior in high school into the college, you're good to go for all six years. Yeah. And I, I do want to clarify that for some people. And so does your program also have some students in it who are not three plus three, who have done a four-year bachelor's elsewhere and then have come in for the DPT program itself? Yeah. Um, so they'll go to um, a real common one for us is Westchester. We've got a few people from uh, Westchester in our class. They go, they get the bachelor's degree, and then they take their uh, grad exams and they apply to our program. And if there's available spots, because as you know, the uh, certification requirements for programs kind of limits how many students you can have at a time. If there's available spots, then they'll look at the uh, people who have applied to transfer in and accept from there. Um, But again, it's all dependent if there's spots or not. Because some years, you know, we might have two or three spots. Other years, we might have eight or nine. Um, I think my class got seven or eight transfers. So we were kind of one of the bigger groups, so to speak. Wait, how many people are in your class? Um, So in total, we've got about 45 or 46 right now, uh, thereabouts. So for a PT class, I, I can't speak too much because I don't know about people across the country, different sizes, but I think that's about average, maybe a little small. Yeah, well, so PT school sizes vary from about 20 at the smallest is what we've heard of mostly is around 20 at the smallest. And the largest is like 120. So around 60, 50 ish is average. So yeah, totally normal size. Right. And um, we do have very good um, professors and they've got a very good budget for our TAs. So one of our uh, muscular labs this past fall, we had the professor plus five or six TAs. So even though you've got, you know, that 40 to 50 person range, you're looking at groups of like six or seven people. So a six to seven instructor to student ratio for the most part. And it's very easy to get that hands-on time and practice the hands-on kind of techniques and skills on people who have been doing it for a lot longer than we have. So big plus there. Yeah, that's really great. And I know it's good insight just to hear about different programs and what, um, what did you do when COVID hit and um, how did your program adapt to that uh, when you went online? Right. So in the spring, uh, they, the whole college shut down, sent everyone home, and they kind of forced the PT program to really think on their feet real quick, like, okay, what are we going to do now? Uh, luckily for us, we didn't have a whole lot of hands-on skills left in the spring. Uh, our main hands-on course was cardiopulmonary, and we were mo- mostly learning about the different breathing techniques at that point. So we were you know, instructed, we received the lab videos and full walkthroughs on those techniques. 
and we were able to practice them a little bit, chat with our professors on Zoom, that sort of thing. And they still assessed us on that through competencies and practicals. It just looked a little different because it was entirely over Zoom instead of in person. Uh, so for the most part, they I think they adapted as well as they could have uh, given the whole situation. It was a lot of Zoom lectures and voice thread kind of things. Um, there was you know some occasional class discussions and our professors were real good about making themselves available through virtual office hours and that sort of thing. Um, I, again, given the situation, you couldn't have asked for anything more in the spring. Uh, in the summer here, or in the fall, I'm sorry, we did online lectures with in-person labs, which it was very nice to be back in person doing lab skills instead of trying to figure them out on Zoom, from home, that sort of thing. Uh, the online lectures have been kind of a adjustment for most of us because, you know, when you're in a class, there's a set amount of time, right? So maybe they have a three-hour class lecture block and they don't really go over those three hours. They keep it within those confines. But with voice threads, sometimes they can get a little wordy and three hours can quickly become three and a half. So it was definitely, it felt like a little more legwork for most of us, but we powered through nonetheless. And uh, that's one of the things you gotta love about uh, physical therapy students is in general, they tend to have a very great ability to adapt. And I think that carries over and uh, embodies our profession is, you know, whether you're doing an evaluation or a normal treatment session, whatever patient population, if you don't have that ability to adapt, you know, that's going to kind of set you back a little bit because you never know what you're going to see and what you're going to walk into in clinic that day. And when March came around, you had to adapt too, personally, <laughs> like going through school. So what kind of stuff did you do to adapt? What kind of other stuff did you maybe pivot a little bit when everything hit in March? Um, so I came back home because we had housing on campus at the time. I now live off campus and highly recommend. Um, but I came back home and learning at home was definitely an adjustment. You know, you've got your family here, you've got, you know, the dogs or the cats or whatever you have. It's a lot different. So I kind of set up a separate little area for myself. I have a little home gym workout area in one of our garages and I actually went on uh, Craigslist and found a uh, PT plinth for $50. So I bought that and they, uh, I brought a desk chair in and kind of set myself up over there. So I was home, but I had kind of a separate little study spot and it allowed me to kind of separate work, so to speak, from classes and business things and that sort of thing from uh, my home life. And that separation proved to be kind of key for me because if I wanted to get something done, I would go over there and, you know, there's no one else there. It's quiet. It's just me. So I would use that as kind of like my personal office or study spot or that sort of thing. And then when I felt like I was done for the night or just needed to kind of step away for a little bit, I could go back in the house. And I think that separation really helped me a lot. I know a lot of people are trying to kind of study in the rooms and, you know, they had a hard time balancing, you know, using the same space for 
studying and schoolwork and that sort of thing with their home life and what they do at home. And I felt like that separation really helped me. Oh, so you had a study space in your garage? Yeah. That's um, so cool. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we have a few different garages. So um, I kind of claimed the one and I've had it set up as like a home gym area for a while with a squat rack and some cable columns and that sort of thing. But um, I just kind of brought the plinth in and uh, wheeled it a chair in and set myself up and just kind of rolled with it. So, Ooh, I love it. And you're working from there too. So have you been working with your own business this whole time or when was the beginning of that? So I actually started the business in undergrad, but it really took off uh, with COVID and the pandemic and all of that. So I had been training like eight or nine different people uh, throughout my undergrad career into the fall of my grad uh, school there. Uh, so fall 2019. And then, you know, 2020 hit. And at the start, it was just kind of same old, same old, so to speak, because, you know, grad school is very demanding. It's hard to find the time to grow and scale a business when you're also studying for five or six different courses, 18, 19 credit hours, that sort of thing. So when the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, maybe I have the time, but I'm just not working hard enough, if that makes sense. Um, I'm one of those people, I wake up at 4, 4.30 in the morning, go to bed at 9, so early to bed, early to rise, that sort of thing. And, you know, it's easy to get caught up in this trap of, I call it a trap, I was kind of caught in it of studying, studying, and only focusing on the material that you're presented in courses. So maybe you get a PowerPoint lecture, and then you go back and you try and memorize it. Or, you know, you understand it, take the test, and then send it out the window. But in that time where uh, COVID kind of hit, I kind of realized that there's better ways to learn. And the more you improve your depth of knowledge of learning, the more you're going to be able to retain that information. And one of the best ways to do that was applying it. So after thinking about that for a little bit, I was like, why don't I just combine some of the stuff that I'm learning in classes with what I'm doing with my business? Why don't I start a podcast that discusses some of the similar things that we talk about in PT school, maybe a little more in depth, maybe it's just kind of a sister cousin of something that we talked about, whatever it is. And uh, for me, that actually helped me learn the material a lot better in less time. I was kind of killing multiple birds with one stone doing that approach. Uh, my GPAs have been higher in both the spring and the fall than they were in uh, last fall of 2019 when I was going with that approach of, okay, here's the material, they're giving me what I need to learn, I just need to learn it and move on. Um, so that's one thing, you know, business standpoint, great, but for those who are currently in PT school and, you know, maybe you're just not getting the information, maybe something's not clicking for you, try and get into those deeper levels of knowledge. Don't just memorize and regurgitate information, but actually seek to understand the processes and apply that information more. 
what you know you don't have to go out and start your own business and podcast to do that you can uh you know listen to podcasts or just kind of get into the reading and that sort of thing i think that's a big piece that pt students are often missing from what i've seen is it's very easy to get stuck on memorizing the information like i said and you need to dive into those deeper levels. Yeah, that's really great. And I love that you said that because all students are you're like, okay, I know. I've definitely done it where I just memorize and then I know I need to keep it because I still need it um, for clinicals and boards. But just like you said, that deeper, deeper reflection and just wanting to know more. And you have done that, especially during the time that you were in class. So um, tell us a little bit about how you started the PT um, Journal Club. So um, this fall, we were um, coming back to campus and one of my good friends and I, we kind of geek out over some of the research articles and that sort of thing sometimes. Um, Kind of a common thing for PT majors, right? You get lost in the JOSPT and all that sort of thing. But we were talking and we were like, we could start a club for this because it was always just the two of us. And we were like, what if there was other people who were interested in this? So uh, we reached out to a couple of our professors and the chair of our department, and everyone was very interested in the idea of starting a journal club specifically for our PT department. And we've got, I think, 12 or 13 students and three or four professors on our roster currently. And we all just kind of get together on Zoom. Uh, at this point, it's a weekly basis. And we discuss different journal articles, podcasts, books, that sort of thing uh, that relate to what we're learning about in our classes. So in the fall, we had a clinical in interventions course here. So we discussed different things that we didn't talk about in the course. So we've discussed blood flow restriction training or BFR. We discussed um, free diving and using animals as modalities. Uh, we discussed all these different things that you don't normally hear about in PT school, but it's kind of cool to see the other side of the coin, so to speak, uh, where you, know, you might not be getting the full picture now, but when you graduate, there's this whole new world of possibilities of just waiting for you to apply those bases, those base level principles that you learn in school. Uh, so we've really enjoyed doing that. It's really been beneficial for everyone. And uh, huge shout out to our college for supporting it. Uh, we were actually awarded $500 from our PT department for uses like a CEC fund. Uh, so we were able to spread that amongst a few different individuals. Uh, there's a little application that we did and that sort of thing. Uh, but it's been very helpful to have something to kind of keep you plugged into learning uh, over the break that we're currently on here. Our uh, winter break has gone. Uh, it looks like it's going to be until February right now. So it's six or seven weeks, no classes. It's very easy to kind of get lost in that time, so to speak. So it's nice to have some people to keep you accountable, keep you learning and focused on why you're here in the first place. Yeah. And also get you excited, right? <laughs> that is so cool. And a lot of people never even hear about things like BFR in their programs because it is, it's not like super new, but in terms of general knowledge, it is becoming more mainstream. And also 
you said kind of like animals as modalities and you're talking about like therapy dogs and that kind of thing or what do you mean when you say animals as modalities yeah so this was actually our last discussion and it was a whole new topic to me um some people have heard of like um therapeutic horseback riding and that sort of thing and that came up but some facilities apparently are using um dogs and um other animals like dogs to kind of enhance their uh, therapy treatment, if that makes sense. So it's not just a um, pain relief kind of modality because they've done some research that shows like if you're with a person or a patient who likes dogs and there's a dog there, um, obviously there's some differences in the uh, neurochemical balances in the body in response to the dog but they were using it more for um, task-specific interventions. So a lot of people in America have dogs. A lot of people like walking their dogs. If our best intervention is one that matches the patient's functional goal, then why don't we have dogs in the clinic? And maybe, maybe the patient was referred for a balance deficit or fall risk or something along those lines. Maybe we have them walk the dog in a circle around the clinic and you know the dog is naturally going to pull and tug at different things you know whether it's the uh, massage ball over there or you know the foam roller the wedge one that kind of looks like a bone whatever it is um and you as the pt would kind of spot but you're naturally getting some ambulation and dynamic balance training through a task that that person is going to hopefully be doing on a daily basis um, so that was one of our key things we talked about. And it was very interesting to me because you never really think about that sort of thing, right? You always think about, okay, well, we'll make what we have in clinic, you know, as good as we can to match that patient's uh, specific goals. But what if you had exactly what that patient was going to use right there, whether it be walking the dog or um, walking the cat if that's a thing or um whatever it is i love that walking the cat you know some people <laughs> do walk their cats <laughs> and it's things like that that one make learning more fun which mm -hmm. two makes it more memorable which three helps you retain it and keep you motivated to continue learning more even after your seven or eight week break is actually over so i love that you guys are doing that i think more people should really think about how can you supplement your learning and how can you continue learning and continue your interest in physical therapy, even when it might get a little bit boring throughout neuro sometimes or other things? <laughs> yeah, neuro and uh, modalities as well. Um, oh God, I think exactly. it's very easy to get lost in the, you know, the lovely time of learning ultrasound, just doing that circular motion over and over and over again. And then you hear that, you know, some clinics are using dogs as a modality. You're just like, wait a second, there's other options. There's other things besides this that can work and be effective for my patient. Seems as though that is true. And <laughs> that, you know, and actually that's really interesting, you know, to learn. And hopefully it becomes more um, in clinics, but yeah, that's really cool. And it, it piques your interest because you're like, oh, I didn't learn about this in school. What is it? And I think that gets the, the spark going of, oh, this is new. 
let me look into it. And it's more fun that way too, especially if you can, like we said, um, connect that with an emotion of, I love dogs and Mm -hmm. how cool would it be to have a dog in the clinic and utilize that for your patients. And, um, so with, you know, the journal club and with your business, how have you been able to, you know, maintain everything and have that motivation and that energy to, uh, to keep going? Did you have people around you helping you out with the business, um, or the podcast? And especially as a student, it is tough. It it definitely is. Um, a lot of the business and podcast things, uh, I like to use the phrase that I kind of jumped off a cliff and figured out how to build an airplane on the way down. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times in life and in school and in anything we do, we want things to be perfect before we do them. So, you know, we want to know everything there is to know about the business or about hosting a podcast or running a podcast before we start. And that was something I got lost in early on. And that was one of the things that kind of helped me back a little bit is I was like, I don't know how to host a podcast. Like, do I need recording equipment? Do I need this? Do I need that? What platforms do I want it on? I just got lost in all the different questions. And eventually I just kind of said, you know what, we're just going to go for it and we'll figure it out as we go. And here I am now. Uh, I kind of got that a little bit from, uh, if you're familiar with Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk, um, he's very, he's an entrepreneur. I um, think he's based out of New York, uh, Vayner Media. But his big thing he's always telling people is, you know, why are you waiting to do what you want to do? You know, it's what you want to do. You know, that's your path forward you don't need to have it fully figured out right now. Sometimes you just got to jump off, go for it and figure it out as you go. And um, I think that's common amongst PT students as well is, you know, you graduate senior year of high school and you're like, yeah, this physical therapy thing, it looks cool. It looks neat. But even after, you know, maybe you do some volunteering, some job shadowing, that sort of thing, you don't really have the full picture of what the job is going to entail until you're in it. So in a way, you're kind of jumping off that cliff with PT school and figuring it out as you go. So why don't we do the same with everything else in our life? Why do we get so caught up in you know the little things like this or that and let them hold us back? So that was kind of a big motivating factor for me was eventually I just kind of said, okay, let's just get up and do it. Uh, And then kind of with that, I've been a naturally kind of motivated person. I like to wake up early and get up and get after it. Um, I think there's something about an early morning when, you know, most other people are kind of sleeping in, comfortable, that sort of thing. And I'm up, I'm out there, you know, whether it's a workout, studying, uh, reading something, listening to a podcast, there's just something for me anyways about getting up and getting after it and you know when other people are just kind of getting up getting a cup of coffee you know what's the day gonna hold for me today my day's already provided something for me so you start your day and just get up and get after it and you can easily take that momentum through the rest of your day whereas I think again this is a little bit of a stereotype here but 
a lot of people like to stay up late and kind of sleep in as late as they can. But by the time they wake up, it's what, 7, 7.30, 7.45 even. What's your, how much time do you have in the morning to, you know, build energy, build momentum and build a plan for your day? When, you know, maybe you've got that 8 a.m. class that you're running out the door for and you're just getting ready quick in five minutes or something. How you start your day, if you run your day, if you own and run your day, you're not going to let the day run you. I guess that's what I'm looking for. Um, because if you get that late start, if you kind of just take it as it comes, that sort of thing, then your day runs you. Something's going to come up and you're going to have to adapt to it instead of, being the one in control, if that makes sense. Yeah. Instead of being the, you know, well, what you would rather be is the proactive person who's built their momentum, right? Instead of Mm -hmm. reactive all day long, like, oh my God, what is going to happen today? I don't know. Let's just wait and see. And that's just something a lot of people do. And I'm glad that you do bring that, bring that point up of not just running out the door so last minute, um, but I'm sure you've had one of those days at some point. What happens when you have one of those days where you're like, I don't know if I really want to get up at 4.30 this morning. What helps you push through? So that's happened to me once or twice in the fall here. Um, I sleep through my alarm and I wake up and it's 5.30 or 5.45 and You know, a lot of people will kind of look at that and panic, right? Um, This usually happened on the weekend for me, thank goodness. Um, But still, it's your daily routine was offset. Something was changed and altered, and you weren't in control of it. So my simple answer is to take control as soon as you can. So if my alarm was 4.30 and I got up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock, then I would kind of just go right back to what I would normally do, but I'd try and work more efficiently at it. So for me, typical Saturday, I'd wake up and I would get to the gym right when they opened. So if I slept in, I would wake up and I would get to the gym, but maybe instead of an hour workout, I cut it down to 40 minutes. Maybe instead of walking, I drive to save a little bit of time, uh, that sort of thing. So keeping the same routine, but finding ways to condense things and kind of work smarter about it, so to speak. So, you know, you're always going to have one or two of those days where things don't go or start as you planned. And a lot of times I think it's important, as I said, to not freak out and panic about those things because a lot of the times it's because of sleep, right? You slept in longer than you wanted to or something along those lines. As we know from physiology, that tends to be your body's way of telling you, hey, something you're doing isn't right right now. Maybe you were you know, overreaching or overtraining and you needed a little more sleep. Maybe you're just mentally exhausted from studying so much and your body needed time to kind of consolidate it into more long-term memories, memory consolidation, uh, whatever it might be. I kind of look at it as like, you know, if that happens, it's your body's signal of, hey, something you're doing wasn't quite sitting right for me, so I'm going to change it for you. Yeah, that's really, that's really great. And to think about it that way, it's like, okay, you know, that makes sense. And especially now, I I am a... uh, (laughs) I can attest to this because I'm doing this right now of just having that extra sleep. And I'm like, okay, you know, if I have a really hard workout or just a stressful few days, then I, 
you know, you just need that time to recover and, and that's okay. Um, but it's great that you said that because I think it really helps students say like, okay, you know, if I, as we're recording this, we are coming up on the new year and really just having solid routines. And that includes in the morning too. And, um, it's just, it's really important to get your day started. And especially if you're going into class where you're still on zoom and you're going to be looking at a computer screen, you know, most of the day, just having that morning time to yourself, whether it's an hour um, or two hours of just not looking at a screen or just, you know, having a workout, it's just you, you and your mind. I think that's really, really key. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like how you said you and your mind too, because, you know, for some people, it's not going to be getting up and exercising. It could be getting up and meditating or going on a walk or reading or prayer or whatever it is that you do, just getting up and doing something to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, so to speak. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And for all the PT students out there, I know we talked about a lot, but if you had to give a, or if you had to give one piece of advice to current students, what would it be? Oh, you hit me with that question. <laughs> uh, so my biggest piece of advice is going to be you're in a PT program. You are obviously there for a reason. You're putting in the work. You're doing what you have to to get to that end goal of being a doctor of physical therapy, that coveted DPT title. Don't lose sight of that end goal along the way. It's very easy to get sucked up into, you know, the moment of, oh, why am I learning this professional issues course? Do I really need to know like my accountability ladder or the disc assessment or my personality type? Do I really need to know how to read a research article? All these different things. They seem very annoying at the time. Um, we talked about modalities. You know, it's easy to get lost in the, will I ever even use ultrasound in a sports-based clinic or, you know, how often am I going to be wheeling around a rushing unit in a geriatrics or inpatient unit? It's very easy to get lost in those little hiccups of your daily life and your uh, daily, weekly, semester grind as a physical therapy student. But don't let those little things kind of deter you from that long-term goal. You have to stay focused on that end goal of you becoming that DPT and having that positive impact that you're going to have on hundreds and hundreds of patients throughout your career. Again, it's easy to get lost in those little daily hiccups and little things, but keep your eyes on the prize. Ooh, I like it. Keep your eyes on the prize. Everybody, please, please keep that in mind throughout your PT school journeys because we know not every day can seem super fun, but we got to make the most out of it and uh, keep checking along towards that DPT. So thank you so much for coming on today, Dan. It was an honor. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And we'll put this in the show notes, but for students who want to reach out to you, where, where are you on all the social media platforms? Um, so if you want my business, which is the better way to reach me, I almost never do anything on my personal social medias anymore. Um, you're going to want to go at brawn body brawn with a W, uh, and you can find that on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, WhatsApp. Um, I don't 
really know how the WhatsApp thing works, but we have it. Um, we'll figure it out as we go, like everything. Or you can email at Braun Body Training. So Braun with a W at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Gratitude. We would absolutely love to hear your biggest takeaway from this episode and share it out on all of the social media platforms and tag us so we can see it. And if you like our show, the best thing you could do is to take a minute to write a review to help us get this out to more students like you to shift the narrative away from stress and broke SPT. 